Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to Turn It Up, a brand new show featured on A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Michael Fordham, and co-hosted by Lamar Hoagland and Aleph Gurma. Turn It Up is all about independent recording artists of all kinds, R&B, rap, jazz, soul, rock, gospel, and even country. But the primary reason for Turn It Up is to feature and help independent artists to take it to the next level by sharing recording tips and tricks to make your track stand out like the pros and industry inside information to help you choose the right path and keep you in the game. Every week we'll bring you new artists, industry insiders, and fresh new tracks that you won't be able to hear anywhere else. The truth is, if you're an independent artist trying to make it in the music business, you need all the help you can get. So let's stop playing. Get your demos together and get ready to turn it up. Now, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we've got a great show for you today, so kick back and relax, and we'll be right back after this. Oh, Can't believe I'm running into you. 
You're looking good, what's it been ten years since I last seen you? I can't complain, everything is everything and I'm doing fine. Well, so what you say we go and take a ride? You know, at first I'd rehearse what to say if I'd see your face again. <laughs> but through the years and the tears I stopped tripping on what happened way back Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to another edition of Turn It Up on blogtalkradio.com, and we've got a great show for you today. Today, we're going to have our special guest who you've just heard playing the saxophone on that last track, Najee. 
a native New Yorker. Najee began his iconic career playing clarinet, saxophone, and flute in his hometown, Jamaica, Queens, New York. While in high school, his tutelage included not only Jimmy Heath, but Frank Foster and Dr. Billy Taylor at the Jazzmobile in Harlem. On honing his skills as a flutist, he additionally studied with Harold Jones at the Manhattan School of Music. Along with his brother, Fareed, he continued his musical scope at the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston with a concentrated study in performance and composition. Upon their return to New York, they were invited to tour with songstress Shaka Khan. Through his association with Melissa Morgan, who at the time was a background vocalist, Najee, welcome to Turn It Up. Hey, Michael. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you for Thank joining you so us today. And also say hello to my co-host, The Leo. What's going on, Najee? Hey, how's it going? How's it going, how's The Leo? How you doing, hey, man? The pleasure is all mine, man. Good to see you. I'm glad you can make it to the show, man. Oh, uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, uh, we were we were just enjoying that track with you and Eric Benet, and um, it's an amazing it's an amazing um, sound that you have. You know, um, I've heard a lot of saxophonists, but you have a very, um, I don't know how to call it, I guess a good word for it is silky sound. I mean, silky, it's almost... distinctive, perhaps? <laughs> yes, absolutely distinctive, but it's not just different. It's very smooth Ooh, and very yeah, controlled like and, you know, extremely polished sound, you know? Um, yeah. I just don't hear saxophone sing like that. It's just amazing. Oh, thank you. That's that's quite a compliment, especially somebody who's listening to a lot of players, you know. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, a big fan of um, a lot of saxophonists, even like Kenny G. But your sound is very unique, and it's uh, it's just I don't know, it's just very smooth, and um, oh, you can just tell that you have mastered <laughs> mastered your instrument. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah, and um, you you know you've been in the business so long. You're actually releasing your thirteenth album now. That's right. Yes, which uh, for me it's um, you know marks my twenty third year as a solo artist in the industry. You know. Wow. So yeah, so I've been very blessed to be able to still uh, you know when I started this whole thing, I would have never imagined that I would have been in the game the way I am. You know, I mean I just was a kid who enjoyed playing and you know was always blessed with good opportunity and. You know, fortunately, it just worked out being what it is, you know. Now he's a jazz legend. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they say. That was never the goal, though, you know. (laughs) Really? And you play so many instruments. I mean... Yeah. So you've always had a knack ever since you were were a young boy to to pick up instruments and to um, learn them? Well, you know, I had an appetite for it, if you will, like... I remember as a kid, my mother, she always uh, loved the sound of the saxophone, so she would have a lot of records with saxophone players. And um, Oh, okay. You know, I, I, I remember one point as a young child, I had bent these curtain rods up into the shape of the saxophone. I would have the, <laughs> the records were playing, you know. And, uh, and then one day, she just I guess she saw that I had a, a natural inclination for it, and she just bought me my first alto saxophone, you know. Wow. Yeah, so... After she whooped you with that curtain rod. <laughs> yeah, she did, yeah. I got in trouble for it, I remember. It got, oh, okay. it, to be honest with you, it got to the point where I would hide them, you know. I would hide them away <laughs> so she couldn't find them when I wanted to go into my little fantasy mode, you know. So, right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh. And, um, and that was quite an investment for her to make, though. So she must have really believed in you and your, um, your um, bent on this music thing. Well, she did. Um, you know, I don't know how much she believed. She just really just supported, I think, uh, a desire that I had. You know, and it ended up being uh, it ended up being one that paid off. You know, I mean, because you know, sometimes, you know, as parents, you can make an investment in your children, and you know, they don't necessarily go the route that you choose for them. You know, but this one, she could see that it was I had a desire, you know, for it, and, mm. and sure enough, you know, she supported my dream. So you actually started with sax, but you've played flute as well. So um, what did you make the transition? Well, it was it was almost uh, not really a transition as much as doesn't uh, as much as a, an inclusion, if you will. Uh, okay. I came up in an era that when you know the, the teachers always said if you played one instrument, you should play them all because back then, you know, there was still a lot of uh, musicians who tried to get film work or play, you know, playing in a theater or playing with, 
named acts and orchestras. So, you know, you increased your possibility of being employed if you played more than just a saxophone. If you played flute, if you could double on clarinet, flute, you know. Uh, so I came from that school of thought, you know, particularly with Jimmy Heath and Frank Fossey, you know, they were great flute players as well mm. as uh, mm-hmm. clarinet players, you know. Yeah. And rather than call myself a sax player back then, you know, you, we would call ourselves a woodwind player, you know. Right. Mm. Uh, so, so I come from that tradition of not doing just one thing, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. Because, you know, I came up in symphonic band as well, but um, I don't know, music just didn't stay with me. Can I say? Oh, okay. <laughs> Five years and, you know, I mean, for a while I had a, um, a, a flugelhorn and a trumpet for a while, and I even had a, a trombone and played the baritone. But you know what? When I listened to other musicians, it was like, what's uh-huh. the point? What's the point? <laughs> I'm doing what I'm doing. Because, and I hear and appreciate, and I hear so much. And one of the things, even in your sound, is I can really hear how much control you have in your breathing. It's just amazing. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. Very and, uh, yeah. yeah. Because I've tried to play um, sax. I, I couldn't do it. It made my nose tickle. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you weren't, uh, you weren't playing it the right correctly yet. That's what I'm saying. See? <laughs> yeah, but um, but that that's um, very, very um, interesting to, to hear people, too, that have come up through that whole um training process and that that discipline and get out there and really be able to find a career in it now tell us about a little bit about how you really got started with your big breaks were even before you got to ah shaka khan and all of that oh my goodness oh. Shaka Khan. Man. well yeah for my brother and i that was probably a dream come true we were kids Right, right. You're breaking up a little bit, Najee. Are you? Oh, okay. Have you, you moved you around me? Yeah, it sounds like you might be getting some interference from something else maybe in the room. Um, your phone doesn't have internet or anything on it, does it? Is it a PDA? No, no, no. Okay. No, can you hear me now? How's that? Oh, yeah, yeah you're good yeah. now. Okay. And tell oh, okay. us a little bit more about that, yeah. Yeah, well, we... Um, you know, as a kid, I mean, uh, the things we were into were really music. You know, back when I was growing up, you were either in music or you played basketball as an outlet or you were in a gang, you know. And right. uh, for us, you know, we were we were part of the music scene in Queens where a lot of the kids had bands and we had competitions like Battle of the Bands, those kind of things. Right. Yeah. And those things eventually evolved into uh, playing professionally. For me, I, I worked with one band called Area Code, which – ended up becoming a group that would back up different artists. And uh, one in particular, we went overseas when I was about, when I was 18, we went overseas to uh, support playing behind Miss Black America. Wow. And, uh, so we toured all over Europe and, you know, parts of uh, Latin America and Caribbean. And, you know, and upon coming back from that, you know, there was just always opportunity available to me to do what I do. And uh, I went to school in Boston, and then finally, you know, I couldn't afford to go to New England Conservatory of Music anymore. And we both quit school and came back home, and it just so happened that uh, Shocker's musical director, Lizette Wilson, happened to be hearing me play in this club, playing straight-ahead jazz, and asked me to come audition for the band, and that's just exactly how it happened. Next thing I knew, wow. we, people, we were on the road with Shocker, you know, on the Ain't Nobody awesome. Tour. So, yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, man, that, that's pretty awesome. And back then, man, Shaka Khan was was happening. She was the top of the game, man. Yes, she was absolutely. Wow, wow. And um, and you worked with opportunity lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you worked with so many people. Um, you went on tour with Freddie Jackson. Um, you've worked with Stevie Wonder, or or you you yes. did a um. And so you know, just tell us about some of the people that you work with and what their influences were on you in uh, building your career and moving forward. Well, you know, everyone. It, it's an interesting thing, but everybody you work with, if you're if you're a solo artist like I am, when you work with them, you take a piece of what they do with you. Right. You know, their experience, their uh, you know, the way that they do things, and that's always been true for me. Um, you know, with. Uh, Playing with Freddie, Freddie, uh, Freddie Jackson, he was the one that gave me the opportunity to, when my first album came out, he allowed me to open for him in different cities around the country. And this is back when he was 
doing huge arenas, you know. So right, right. I went, I went from uh, anonymity, a guy who just released a record with the saxophone, to uh, becoming a celebrity in in the jazz world. Mm-hmm. Based on playing five thousand receivers a night, you know, five to ten thousand people a night, uh, opening for Freddie. So you know, he was just very, uh, you know, just very um, instrumental in lifting my career at that point on my first album. Uh, and then from there, you know, I, I've had the pleasure to work with so many people since that time. You know, I toured with Prince for about three years. You know. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, because um, I hear he is a stickler and very hard on his bands about performance and everything else. Um, tell us how it was to work with him. Yeah, he is. He's, uh, but, you know, it all serves to bring about, I think more than anything, he cares about the uh, show he brings to his audience. He loves his Absolutely. audience. So he doesn't, uh, he doesn't compromise, you know, when it comes to, you know, bringing that show. And if he's hearing things, he, he wants to hear it exactly as he hears it, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's a stickler, but not in a negative way. I think if a, if a musician can put his ego aside, he, they can actually benefit and learn a great deal from Prince, you know. For me, he was probably one of the best and smartest musicians I've ever met in my life. Right, absolutely. I spent a lot of time talking to him, and I learned a lot from him, not only musically, but from a business side, you know, as well. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And, um, I mean... The guy could turn out albums over and over and over again, and then you would hear all of these other top 40 tracks that he had his hand in as well. And back then it was just like, wow, I um, I was a fan of not only his music, but every um, band he ever produced. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 He, well, he's always working in the studio, and always working on something, so, you know. And uh, it, so I had the pleasure of doing an album with him called Rainbow Children. That ended up being really good. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. And um, since we're talking a little bit about um, the business in itself, um, let's let's just talk a little bit about how the music industry is changing right now. I don't know if you yeah. um, heard the quote from this, um, the guy from Radiohead had a quote um, just recently where he said that uh, he told people, young artists don't even sign a, a record contract with any record company right now because the industry will be bankrupt in the next three or four months. Well, but, I, I, yeah, I don't know how accurate he is in terms of timeline, but <laughs> uh, I think there is some truth to what he's saying, you know, mm-hmm. um, because to promote records today is very difficult. It takes a lot of money if you go mm-hmm. through the system, and there's very little uh, retail outlets. You know, when I started, you had Tower Records, you had Virgin, you right. had many, many outlets. Uh, now today to sell records, you have to find creative ways. You know, we have to sell, uh, we basically have to carry CDs on the road when we tour, you know. Wow. Uh, because, the, yeah, because the, you know, you don't have the retail outlets. And, you know, you have things like iTunes and CD Baby and all these other outlets, which are very good. But I think that the industry is changing for several reasons. One is the fact that the ability to download music is very simple and a lot of times not pay for it as well. Um, and, right. Well, let's just say it's accessible. The music is more accessible in terms of people don't have to get up and browse record stores anymore. All they have to do is just type in an artist's name, and there they are. You know, um, so it becomes a lot more challenging to break an artist and make a connection with an audience now. And in order to break an artist, it requires a lot of money. You know, right? Yeah. So I understand what he's saying in one sense, and in the other sense, I I say to the artists who have the opportunity to sign and get some some financial backing from a label, do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Money there, take it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, now, but you're saying that there's not as much money anymore in the actual distribution or the, the CD itself. Um, is it necessary that an artist think that they will have to develop um, a presence that is a performance that can fill a stadium or a large auditorium in order to make it? Not necessarily. I, I think really the key is to make a connection from wherever you are. A lot of lar- artists, uh, even myself included, started with a connection to a small audience. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I started as a kid. I played in small places. You know, local bars, local uh, you know dances. You know, <laughs> you know whatever. You know. Uh, for a long time, uh, for about a year, I played in this club called Wally's in Boston, which was a small hole in the wall, but it was so popular because it always, people always came there to hear the music. And out of right. that, 
you know, things develop. Uh, so I always say, no, don't don't have in your mind that you need to have an audience filled, you know, an auditorium filled with, you know, 10,000 people, because it, you know it doesn't happen that way <laughs> very easily, you know. Right. Uh, I think I think what what the person has to do is um, figure out a way to market their music directly to the consumer. Yeah, oh so, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean. Right, absolutely. And um And if 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 you're blessed to do concert dates, you know, at home with local clubs or whatever, whatever you're doing, you know, have have product for people to buy because the best audience to have is a captive one you have sitting in front of you. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. Yeah. So you you say, you know, just don't entertain but market as well. Well, I think I think you can't do one without the other. You know? Right, right. Uh I think the jazz industry made a huge mistake. When uh, when players think that they can just get up there and just play their horn and that's all they got to do, you know. Now there are a few people that can do that and they get away with it. But I don't believe careers are sustained on just the musical part of it, you know. Right. I mean, absolutely. Think, you know, the culture has changed and people want to get a lot more for their money, especially since you know people's money is very short these days. You know? Right, absolutely. And we want to go ahead and, and get into another track. We, um, we've we already played, um, we're going to ride. So um, what what do you think we ought to go with next? Uh, what do you have there? Do you, uh, I mean, everything you have is from the new album, Mind Over Matter. Right, uh, awesome, yeah. Um, I've got Love You a Lifetime and uh, Sweet Summer Nights. Sweet Summer Nights. That song yeah. was actually is my first number one smooth jazz song in all my career with all my success i've never had a number one smooth jazz song so this did very well for us wow okay so here we have it sweet summer nights by najee
Wow, that was awesome. That was All awesome. right. Number was one. Cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very nice, very nice, cool. man. Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, we got someone else on who's a big fan of yours, and um, and we, we just wanted to bring him on as well, let him say hello. Arvin Terry, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, Najee, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, my friend? How are you? I'm, a, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I was, I was telling Mike earlier today, I was uh, I remember going to pick up your first album. Back then it was an album. Uh, Najee's right. theme. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Yeah, so I'm, I was able to pick up the CD because it was hard to find for a little while, but I was able to get it about a year ago. So, oh, beautiful. Yeah, Thank so just yeah. admired your work. I was one of the ones that was there from the beginning, so it's it's always good to sit and follow someone's career through the years. Well, thank you so much, my friend. No, really no, no problem. That. No problem. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Arvin's a bit of a, a music expert, in my opinion. This guy is always turning me on to artists I'd never heard of before, and and then I'll come back to him eventually later on down the road, and I'll say to Arvin, "Yo, Arvin, you got to check out this artist, so and so," and he'll be like, "Mike, I told you about them eight months ago." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so. good. Well, Arvin, you you keep educating. That's good, man. Well, yeah, I try to, you know. I, it's, it's always good. Music is is good for the soul, so it's a soothing yeah. mechanism for me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and something about jazz, it's funny. Um, I can sit down and read a good book and listen to some jazz, but I can't really listen to any other kind of music and read at the same time. So I don't know what that is, but it's something about jazz. It's um it's so ordered and it's so it just makes sense. It falls into place where other things might be a little more disruptive and cause you to sort of um even participate in the music or not be as focused on something else. It's not sure. whistle while you work music. It's more like um just soothing and mm-hmm. tear it up uh, well, with it, anything it, you're doing. Yeah. It can be a little more accommodating. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's that it's that perfect ambiance music though, for real. Yeah, like when I when I hear it, I'm thinking about the beach and <laughs> kicking up kicking yeah. up my feet with a towel and chilling. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, and, and it's nothing like um, you know, um, when you're when you're in dating mode. I'm no longer there, but you know, when you invite yeah. one over and you got some some jazz playing. It, it kind of changes the outlook on you, you know? Women kind of understand it just a little deeper than what they thought, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, there you go. Yeah, tell tell, tell go. Go so, wrench, you know. wrench around and grab that Najee for me. Just wrench. <laughs> wrench right around. We're just trying to say, Najee, we appreciate the work you do, even though you may not know you're working for us. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. And um, now you, you've... Um, Work with some of my most favorite um, people in the music industry: uh, wow, Quincy Jones, yes. um, Will Downing, Patti LaBelle, George Duke, uh-huh. Al Jarreau. Right. You know, and, and, and even a, a buddy of mine, Layla Hathaway. Yes, awesome. So, and and um, tell us a little bit about um, having the opportunity to work with all these different people, like Quincy Jones, for instance. I, I know he was able to share some wisdom with you about the industry and about um, how you should approach doing what you do. Well, you know, uh, you, you know how giant of a man he is uh, in the industry. And I, I recall the very first time I worked with him was uh, I was invited to come to Switzerland. George Duke had invited me to come to the Montreux Jazz Festival. And uh, he said that Quincy wanted to uh, wanted me to perform with him there. So... I went thinking that perhaps, you know, I was going to go do some of the stuff that people know me for, but for some reason he knew that I could play straight-ahead jazz. And when I got there, you know, I was very nervous. My first meeting him, I met him at a rehearsal over there, and uh, it ended up that he was just one of the easiest people to be around, you know. He knew I played straight-ahead, and he brought me a song where I played uh, a show with, I believe it was George Duke, and uh, Ron Carter on bass, and Toot Steelman on on, um, on harmonica, and uh, Milt Jackson on vibraphone. And mm. it was just amazing, you know. I mean, that lineup of legendary, here I am, the youngest guy, you know, 
you know, people know me in smooth jazz, what ended up becoming the smooth jazz world, but here I'm playing straight ahead over in Europe with uh, Quincy Jones. And he made it so easy and just nice to be around, you know. And uh, since that time, I had the pleasure of working with him a couple of more times. Um, you know, he invited me to come in and play flute uh, over Killer Joe in place of Hubert Laws, which was quite an honor, you know. So, wow. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, with George Duke, I mean, he's one of those guys, again, another beautiful, just a beautiful spirit, uh, very nice to play with. Uh, he produced, uh, he worked on two albums of mine on the Just an Illusion CD. He produced a song that Jeffrey Arasborn sang with me. And uh -huh. he also produced uh, an album I did called Songs from the Key of Life, uh, which was a tribute to Stevie Wonder. Right, right. That's the one. Yeah, he produced that. And he brought in, uh, you know, all these great musicians, Herbie Hancock, uh, Stanley Clark, Larry Carlton, and a few, you know, a whole bunch of big names to play on that record, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Stanley Clark and George Duke at the same time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's and, hot. You know, in addition to that, in addition to that, I've had the pleasure of touring with all of them, with, with the exception of Quincy. You know, I've toured with Stanley and George. You know, we. Wow. You know, Stanley and I did a live album, Live at the Greek. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was quite some time ago. Right. Ah. Now, Najee, who, uh -huh. who would you say was the most influential person in your in your life as far as uh, music is concerned that you were able to actually meet? You know, honestly, if I had to say the most influential person would probably be my brother, Fareed, honestly, because, wow. uh, you know, as I was always, as a kid, you know, I was the one that had the, the, the talent in terms of, you know, or the desire to do what we do. But, you know, through his experience and through his, uh, you know, his wisdom, he's always been the one to be able to direct my energies where they should go at the beat of mm -hmm. to be able to uh, get the most out of what I was doing, you know. Right. Is he your older brother? Yeah, he's, he's actually by a year. And he's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he's just, I always say he's much smarter than I am. He doesn't play as much anymore. He doesn't do any live performing, but he manages my career on a daily basis, yeah. Oh, that's I awesome. That. And um, what instrument does he play? He plays guitar, yeah. Oh, okay. Guitar, right. Yeah, we both went to school together. I mean, we played with Shy, as I told you, we played with Shaka together. He ended up going out on tour with Jeffrey Osborne during the Don't Stop tour. And after that, he just came off the road. He didn't enjoy the road life as a musician anymore. So. Right, right. And that, that is tough, you know? Yeah. Well... I mean, it's, it's relatively tough because, you know, on those tours, you, you're living a very lavish lifestyle, if you will, you know. But <laughs> So our life isn't that bad, you know, on that level of the game. But for him, he just had other desires to build a family, get married a whole bit, you know. So he went another direction. And he wanted to stay home and produce records. And he ended up producing quite a few of my most successful albums. That's awesome. And Najee, speaking, speaking, of, speaking of the uh, the finer things in life, what was the first thing that you spent your, your check on? As soon as, as soon as you you know you made it, and you got that big check. What was the first thing you went and got? Taxes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was a question for a young hungry artist, and you kind of burst his bubble. <laughs> I paid my taxes. Sam <laughs> was knocking at the door, huh? Hey, you know, they don't let you go, man. But anyway, I, that, but, you know, I mean, I, actually, I didn't really, you know, I've never been that artist that needed to spend a lot on, on things that I considered to be unnecessary for me personally, you know. Mm. Um, you know, by the time I was able to, to begin to make money in the industry, I had to catch up with a whole lot of stuff during the years I wasn't making money, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what was you the know, first I had to pay off college student loans, you know, all that stuff, you know. So, what was uh, the first big thing you actually finally, you know, when everything was taken care of and it's time for Najee to get, you know what I'm saying, treat itself? What was the first thing you got? No, oh, I went and got a wife. That's what I did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, that's, now, that's expensive. <laughs> yeah, you get to save up for that. <laughs> yeah, I, cre I, created, I created more bills, you know, that's what I did. Finance, <laughs> oh, yeah, so. Uh, wow, that's awesome. So, um,. Do you, do you have any kids as well, Najee? Yes, I do. I, I have six children, and, uh, you know, my oldest is, is already out of school and on his way, and then, you know, and then I have my youngest, who's who's six. So. Wow, that's great, man. That's do any of your children play any instruments? 
Uh, my oldest son, he's he's a rapper and producer. He's worked with uh, people like Big Pun. Um, oh wow! For Jay Z, and he's mm-hmm. he's got a group he's uh, marketing right now called uh, Knapsack Children. Mm-hmm. You know uh, that he's I think he's doing some stuff with Universal with now. So wow, but he's the only one. Everybody else is you know gone a different direction. Yeah, yeah, that generally happens. Someone gets the bug. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back when I'm sorry, when you first started with Najee's thing, it, it was interesting that you had so many saxophone players playing jazz back then, but everybody had their own distinctive sound, being George Howard, Grover, Kenny G, and yourself. So it was, right. it was interesting because you couldn't, you could tell who was playing. Everybody didn't sound the same, which is yeah. kind of how it is now. You know. It's every, so I just appreciate how everybody was really instrumental in forging their own distinctive sound. Seems yeah, like well, you're not. Uh huh. I'm seems sorry. Seems like now is, is people aren't as driven as instrumental, you know, with the computer technology and whatnot taking over as far as being learning your craft and learning your instrument. Well, yeah, that is true to some degree. Um, I think, uh, you know, we came from a different era where uh, there was still that need to, to develop yourself as a, as a real musician, you know. Um, the one thing I appreciated about Grover, you know, um, who I consider to be the generation before myself and Kenny G and George Howard, mm-hmm. was, you know, he was a real musician, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. even, even, you know, George Howard and Kenny G. I mean, you know, people, I hear some people in, this, in the jazz world criticize, uh, you know, for whatever reasons they have to say negative things. But, you know, I know Kenny, and he's a real saxophone player. He can really play the instrument. Oh, yeah, you he know? can. You can't take that away from him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and George Howard, as you know, he was a very distinctive player who had his own style and ability to communicate as a real musician. Right. I think what has happened over the years that once there was some success and there was a there was a real industry there, um, you know, some people came along with the idea, well, let's create an industry and give it a name, and you know, as long as they got a good song with with certain kinds of beats and fits a format, and we can sell BMW or Mercedes, then this is you know what we're going to sell. Now, what happened was they didn't when they created that format, they didn't necessarily create stars that had a direct connection to the audience to buy the records. You know, when we were when we were coming up, you know, you had uh, you know you had you had a connection to the audience with videos, you know, through the live concerts. You know, there was a personality tied to the music. Now, you know, you listen to people on the radio. A lot of times, you don't, you know, unless you're really familiar with the artist's music, I can't tell if it's this person or that person. You know, I mean, it's true. You know, because people are just trying to copy what they think will get on the radio. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I think in the process of of the industry evolving the way it has, we've lost distinction in the process, and people have shown that they're not supporting the music anymore as a result of that. You know? Wow. Yeah. And um, my producer Donna Hardeman just sent me a, a quick message, and it says um, up and coming on uh, September 25th, uh, Najee's Smoother Side of Soul, Buffalo, New York, featuring Alex. Boone Young and Will Holton, who we That's had on right. the show just recently as well. That's right. And, you know, and Will is, is a great young artist. I think he, uh, you know, he, he helped me. He actually uh, co-wrote and produced a song on the record called Of Your Lifetime. Um, and, you know, so it's really an honor that we'll get to work together up in Buffalo once again, you know. And he's a, he's a, he's a true friend, somebody I speak to on a regular basis at least two, three times a week, so. No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've had him on the show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we've had him on the show a couple of times, and I think we're going to have him on a few more times, as a matter of fact. Um, He's a great guy. He's a great guy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, we want to at least get one more track because we're up on 15 minutes left in the show. And um, we've got also is. Love You a Lifetime or Forever in a Day? Which one do you think we ought to put out there? I would like to. I'd like Love You a Lifetime, which is a track that Will wrote and produced with me on the Mind of a Matter CD. So. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah. 
perfect transition there. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love to a lifetime. That's Will yes, Holton and Najee. Yes, sir. No, yes, sir. Right. <laughs> Najee, the king of smooth. <laughs> king of smooth. Hey, Najee, for real, man. Uh, me, uh, you, Quincy Jones, and Prince going to come out with an album next weekend, man. We're going to go ahead and do it. It's going to be called Sexual Chocolate. It's going to be called Sexual Chocolate. We're going to hook it up, man. I'm going to get your number when we die. All right, man. All right, man. I, I, I ain't playing. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I knew I was making a mistake allowing this guy in the studio. I usually have the Leo call in, and um, he gets out of hand. So I thought I'd try to keep an eye on him, but it's not working out. Uh, <laughs> Too smooth, man. have a lot of fun, I think. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, and it's interesting, too, um, just being able to just talk about some of the ins and outs of music as, as well as the uh, the tracks and, you know, and getting the knowledge that you guys have have acquired over the years and working in the industry. And, um, you know, Elle is a new artist in the industry and, uh, you know, is hoping to be able to find uh, an avenue to be able to help these guys to, to get this knowledge and wisdom that they wouldn't normally be able to get without having the exposure by working with people 
And, you know, that takes a long time. So this is sort of a shortcut. This is a method in which um, artists can hear something that maybe they can grab a hold to and hopefully um, further their career in the process. No doubt. Well, yeah, I, think, I think that that's a great thing. I mean, uh, you know, I know people are looking for answers now. The old days of going and sitting, some guys in the, going up to a label and sitting in the A&R department waiting for somebody to hear your demo tape. I think those days are over now, you know. Right, so, uh, absolutely. So you have to find other creative ways. So I really commend you guys for uh, being able to do something like this. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And I really appreciate you as an artist as being at the level that you are as well, you know, participating in something like this and um, really helping these guys who are working their way up from the very beginning. Oh, well, thank you so much, yes. Yeah. But you know, I mean, that's, that's what it's about. That's how it started for me, you know. So just people... You know, you can't do anything in this industry unless people say yes. You know, somebody says yes. So. Right. And and it's such a hard industry to really understand as well, you know? It is, yeah. And, um, and, and there's, so much <laughs> there's so much advice out there that you can't use. <laughs> but there's there's <laughs> well tons put. of it. You can always <laughs> hear something that will just really, you know, shoot you in the foot as, as opposed to really helping you to get to where you're going. Play that yeah. song again with your shirt off. <laughs> oh, my God. Say it one more time just to take your shirt off. So yeah, what, what, do think, what, what do you think uh, that you, you would say would be the, the most uh, vital piece of uh, advice that you could give uh, up, upcoming inspiring artists like myself? Well, I think, um, I think utilize the resources that you have available to you. You know, maximize those, you know, um, I mean, we have the Internet. We have uh, a lot of uh, outlets now to sell CDs online. Uh, and really just try to develop your profile as best you can. I mean, it's a marketing game, you know. Okay. Um, and it's, you have to be creative, you know. If, you, if you're blessed to be able to do live performances, uh, the one thing I love about Will Colton is his ability to turn his live performances into a major event. You know, wow. and, and that's that's a special talent in itself, you know, in and mm -hmm. of itself, you know, to be able to make whatever it is you're doing, everybody's just got to be there because this is the event. If you miss it, man, it's just you you missed it, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, He's got this feeling that way already about the concert coming up in September. Well, you know, and that that's his gift. He's able to do that, and right. not only is he able to create that, but he also delivers when you come and see the event. Mm -hmm. So. You know, you have to have both in place, you know. And uh, so for a lot of artists who may not have the ability to do things on a national level, I always say start locally where you are and mm -hmm. create the groundswell, you know. And, you know, eventually, you know, if you keep gr growing, you know, opportunity will find you, you know. Right. Opportunity will find you, you know, so. No, oh, that's great advice. From the yeah. king of smooth. <laughs> So you know it's true. <laughs> the other thing is, uh, my last point, my last point, if you will, is, you know, there are new, no two paths that are the same. You know, the, the path that was for me is not for you. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. So you can only take elements of what somebody has done and maybe apply it, but you can't take the exact same road that somebody else took. Every trial is different. Right. Mm -hmm. so, yes, sir. Right. Wow. Well, <laughs> All right. With a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> college on the radio. That's what I'm hey, talking man, about. Let's hope so. <laughs> let's, let's, hope it's let's just hope it's relevant. That's all, okay? Oh, okay. Right. It's always relevant. If it's the truth, it's, no it's all you need. It's really. Truth, yes. Yeah. Again, there's there's a lot of deception out there, and um, and it, it, there's a lot of fear behind that as well. A lot of people who enter into the music industry assume that they're going to get ripped off and distrust everyone that might want to help. And, um, yeah, well, I, it, think that, I think that that's a bad attitude to have because absolutely. the reality is it, it costs to be in the game. And somewhere <laughs> you're going to have to pay the bill to be in the game, you know, and there's no artist that doesn't go through that. It, you're very, you know, look, the biggest artist of all time, Michael Jackson, you know, he paid to be in the game, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, you know. So when stuff doesn't work out the way you see it, we have this saying among each other, well, we charge it to the game, you know, because that's just part of being in it. You know, you're going to have to take the bitter with the sweet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. 
and say when something doesn't work out, you charge it to the game. Charge it to the game, man. Yeah, cool. and you knew you had to pay those dues somewhere, so if this is it, so be it, right? Right. Yeah, well, you know, of course I'm not saying you just throw away the the, the house and, the, you know, and all that, but, you know, right. you know, you know but what I'm saying is it, it's going to cost you to be in a game. You're going to get challenged. You're going to get tried. You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, I remember, uh, just to share a very quick story, when I was in college, I sold my horns and gave up playing because I thought it wasn't for me. Wow. I got married and uh, had my daughter and, you know, my wife at the time, uh, we're, we're divorced, but... You know, my wife at the time, you know, we I sold my horns and got a job in a bank. Started working in the bank for about three years. I didn't play, you know. Wow. And uh, I quit school the whole bit, you know. Thought I was going to make a life out of the banking industry. Now they're playing uh, your CDs at the bank. You see <laughs> what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, so you get tried, you know. <laughs> Just yeah. My point is if it's for you, you only know it if you go out there and do it, you know, so. Well, we're coming up on just um, a couple minutes left in the show, Najee. I want to just thank you for dropping by and welcome you back anytime you'd like to come in and, um, you know, share some knowledge, wisdom, or just whatever you're doing out there and you want to just come and share with us uh, for a moment. And uh, we just appreciate you just dropping by. Oh, it's truly my pleasure, and thank you so much for the time. Good oh, talk well, to you. Thank you. Thanks, Najee. And I'm gonna hit you up. I'm gonna hit you up about that album, man. That sexual chocolate. <laughs> All right, my friend. Prince, I, I got Prince's number. We are gonna hit up Prince tonight. Go ahead, man. Let's make it happen, yo. We're doing big things here. Turn it up. Turn okay. it up. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, it's time for me to close out the show, and we'll be talking with you all soon. And thanks, Arvin, also for chiming no in. Appreciate no that. Problem. And thanks, thanks to, for having me. All right, then. And thanks to our associate producer, our producer, Donna Hardiman. Donna! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to Turn It Up. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words, they become actions. And watch your actions, they become habits. And watch your habits, they become your character. And watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what comes of you. Measure of truth.